Hello and welcome back to the Men You Are Not Alone podcast. This is episode 23. It is a solo episode. This one is about an invisible man. Last week, well, I'm going to have to back up. Several months ago, I was I was uh, made aware of a man and his wife whose trailer had burned to the ground. I don't know if you've ever seen a trailer burn, but they burn super fast. That was this past February, and we had a lot of ice this past winter. And uh, so the night that their trailer caught fire, it was too icy for anybody to get out, including pretty much all the fire engines and first responders. When it gets slick here, I grew up out west with a lot of snow and a lot of things that are uh, inclement weather circumstances, and we always just push through them. But sometimes here in the middle part of the country, you get ice that's truly so slick you can't even get out of your driveway without sliding down the street or crashing into something the night that this trailer burned was such a night this man and his wife so his tra- their trailer had burned it caught fire they did manage to get out uninjured but they were unable to take anything with them because it was burning so fast i don't know all the details at that point because i hadn't quite entered the picture when that happened and I would guess it was probably within a couple weeks or a month something like that it was all the winter stuff had left it was springtime so I'm going to guess March when I'll just call her my sister and she runs the local food bank here or she helps organize it she called me and, and told me their story and said that that they were trying to help this couple to get a, a, a place to live again, some type of something. So they were going to be raising some money. I originally said that I wanted in on helping it. I wasn't going to help with small bits and pieces because I didn't want to deal with five people trying to manage the construction of a little place and people forgetting stuff, and then you have to go back and redo it, and it takes a lot more time. So I saw it with some sense of urgency. And then just circumstances in life sort of pushed me down to a point where I, it, I, don't, I don't know how to say it exactly, because honestly, this is the first episode I've recorded with one of my children in my house, which I have to get over. And... It's a little awkward for me because I'm not sitting here alone. So, anyway, circumstances in life. My job has been a source of stress for me. I had a bunch of closings at the time. And those stress me out a lot because it's basically me trying to meet impossible demands of Honestly, a lot of people who are never satisfied, and it doesn't matter what it is. And then just some things going on in life that had pushed me down to where I had a momentary season of, I would say, kind of exhaustion and depression. Kind of a mix of the two, and probably closer to exhaustion, which just made me feel so drained that it led to feeling just depressed or I wanted to check out because I couldn't carry much more. So life continued and and the food bank, they were going to try to raise some money to help with stuff. So that meant there was a pause. 
with with building this building and stuff like that. So it kind of slid off my radar. Life, you know, I kind of dealt with the stuff in my own personal life with things in general, stress, managing stress, which is a perpetual battle for me. And then about a month ago, my friend from my sister, I'll just say, she's not my my blood sister. She is my sister by choice. And I'll just call her that because that's what she is. So she called me about a month ago and said, hey, the building got built, but nobody did anything after that. And I think we all kind of, it, it, it got lost in the shuffle somewhere. So when she told me that that this man and his wife were living in a, uh, the food bank had managed to build a, 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 a pole barn. That's what it was. I don't want to dress it up any more than what it is. It was a small pole barn that provided at least some shelter. It was sitting on a concrete slab. But they had no power, no water, no toilet, no heat, no electricity. I said power, but no insulation. And it was starting to get colder. And that broke my heart when I heard that. In fact, this is the second time I've had to record this. The first time I was I was choked up too much. I thought I could pull it off, but I couldn't. And I didn't want to send that out because it wasn't what I was trying to convey. So back in February, my sister had told me that this man was terminally ill or very sick. And his wife had had to have a leg amputated and she was in a wheelchair. So now... Fast forward to about a month ago, it is the middle of October. I mean, I'm sorry, the middle of November 2021 right now. So it's the middle of October or so, second week of October. It, the weather's definitely starting to change here in Tennessee. And uh, this is kind of a hard one for me to do. This has been weighing on me for quite a while. Ever since last week when he passed away, I've been to a lot of funerals and I've known a lot of people who died. But for some reason, this one really hit me. So I, I, I hustled as fast as I could to try to find, just to rally guys. So I called a couple of my guys and, and said, hey, look, I need to go out here and look at this place. I need to know what the status is, what's out there. What's available for us to use? I want to get this guy some heat. So that means we need power. I just I want it, I want this man who is now on hospice at the point where I entered in mid October. So one of my guys met me out there, and I didn't need him so much for his skill set as I did. I wanted the presence of another godly man around me, and he is that. And there are many times during the week that he helps he helps me make better decisions. And so I wanted to not go alone. I wanted to simply have someone else there to bounce ideas off of that we could talk about solutions and, and ways to get power and heat to this place really quick. And he met me out there and, and we talked about some ideas and stuff. You know, he's he's just a concrete man. That's it. He's just a concrete man, right? And I want to tell you that if it doesn't matter what you do for a living, you know, this man is, he's, he's just a concrete guy. I could have grabbed a number of people to go with me. I grabbed him. It, it had nothing to do with what he does for a living. 
It had to do with his character. So whatever you're doing, you do it with character. Go out there and be character. Good character. Model it. Because you never know when an opportunity may show up that you get to help somebody else because of that or something like that. Just don't worry about what you do for a a living so much. That doesn't define who you are. So I put a, a hundred wheels in motion very quickly and devoted myself to it for a couple of days, just trying to move people as fast as I could to find resources. And really it came down to trying to find heat. Financially, I don't have an abundance. And the food bank is pretty well tapped out. I mean, they're going to have to be other fundraisers just to hold it. There's so many families right now who are struggling. They're working, but they're struggling to deal with the rising cost of things in the supply chain just to exist. That the food bank is supplementing a lot more than it used to. So the the resources were very, very limited, basically nothing. It had been used up on the building. So I got involved and tried to find things to be donated. I rallied up some of my guys around me, and they ferried up some supplies. This man lives out of town, this man and his wife, out in the, not so much in the sticks, but out of town, out in the country a little bit. And it's a very modest, simple place exceedingly modest. When I walked into the building, and I don't even want to call it a home, it's a building. You know, there were two beds, um, a couple of chairs, a, a kitchen table with a few chairs around it, and some food from the local food bank. My sister was making sure they were at least eating and being well fed. But it was probably 50 degrees in that building, and it was not a cold night that night. So long story short, I wasn't able to get heat. I kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, but I didn't have any money to work with. And I couldn't find anything that somebody would donate. And and that's just the way it worked out. I was trying to slam it together in a few days, and that's often a hard thing to do. But then last week, my sister called me and she said, no, she didn't call me. I'm sorry, her husband did. He texted me. And he said, Junior passed away. He got really sick and passed away. And, uh, God, I've been to a lot of funerals. I'd only met this man twice. I've been to his house three times. The first time he wasn't there, but at least we we got access to the house and were able to size things up. Second two times, we took some things up to him. I wanted him to know he wasn't alone. And he had a, like a basketball-sized tumor in his abdomen. And he looked stronger than he was. And I didn't know that it would be within a couple weeks of meeting him that he would pass away. He looked stronger than that. I thought I had some time to at least make the house warm so he wasn't freezing. So a man could die with a little bit of dignity. And it didn't work out that way. And I think what's hit me so hard with Junior's death is how he died invisibly. Not just off the radar. 
I don't know really if many people even cared or noticed. And I'm pointing the finger at me because I had a chance to get involved in that along several months back. And he probably would have had heat. He probably would have had lights, at least some basic things, and wouldn't have been living in a metal building that gets to be 25 degrees inside while he's on hospice. That's the part that I think tears me up. I could have done something, but I didn't. And I realize there are limits to what I can do. But the contrast of life, I look at it a lot of times. I step back and I take a look at the big picture quite often anymore. And in the past few months, I've really been reconsidering my station in life. I live in what was, at least until about two years ago, the 16th wealthiest county in the country. Yet there are so many people in the shadows. And then Junior passed away, unnoticed, invisible. He was terminally ill. He was on hospice in a building surrounded by wealth. And I don't want to say nobody cared because some people did. I don't know. I'm trying hard not to blame myself for not getting involved because I really did have my hands full. But I look at that contrast. And as I moved around last week, dealing with, you know, I build I build pretty nice homes. Pretty good-sized homes for people. Houses I could never afford, ever, I don't think. Maybe one day, but I don't know that I'd even want them. I enjoy our modest little house. And I, I build for people with such an abundance. And I watch them be dissatisfied with the most minute and insignificant details while I'm trying to help a man get heat, a man who's dying with an abdominal tumor that is the size of a basketball, to die with at least a tiny bit of dignity, maybe where he can have a light and enough warmth that he isn't freezing in his house, in his building. And I I would go do that and then return into the noise of extreme abundance and dissatisfaction and continual dissatisfaction with the abundance. And I couldn't help but last week repeatedly ask myself, what am I doing? You know, what has this man of God's life become? You know, I went to seminary because I love the Bible and I love people. And I genuinely love both of them. But what about my life actually reflects that? And I'm not trying to be critical of anybody or anything. It's just a time of reflection. And and moments of crisis do that for us. Hard times do that for us. Moments of tragedy. They make us stop and reprioritize our life. And it's not hard to do in those moments. But this one has really stuck with me. It hit me hard. It still is today. This is six days after he passed away. And for some reason, I'm still struggling with it. I wish I had an end game here, a, a, a little closing moral lesson, but I don't. But I do want to ask us as people, as a people, whether you're a Christian or you don't want to talk about God or whatever, 
But don't forget, our days are numbered. Our days are scarce. And are we living, what are we living for as a people? Are we, are we living to accumulate as much crap as we can get, the nicest crap we can get, and to learn to be dissatisfied with that perpetually so that we're perpetually dissatisfied? Or can we take what we have with gratitude and share with the people around us, to know the people around us, to know if there's a, a sick neighbor around us, to know if there's a man in the trees just beyond the realm of our yard, dying destitute and alone, freezing in a metal building, terminally ill, the people in the shadows. It has renewed my sense of vigor to go out and look for the people in the shadows, and I have asked God for that. Because I get lost in the hustle and bustle of those in abundance who are dissatisfied. And I really am questioning how much of my life I want to invest in that. And I think the answer might be none. But I don't know yet. Because I know that finding those people in the shadows, I feel like I'm doing what I called to do, what I was called to do. And that is to find them. And I think maybe when I look back at Jesus' message, as he went from town to town, he was telling people that they weren't alone. Because they were the outcasts. They were the misfits the unclean, the filthy. And am I doing that? I used to, but I don't know if I'm doing it anymore. And I need to change that. So again, I don't have a moral lesson, but I'm going to wrap this one up because I think there might be some value in it. If there's not, there's nothing lost. So as you go out today, think about where your life is going what it is, what you want to do with it. Is there a way for you to help the people around you better, to invest in the people around you better? I'm asking myself those questions. I'm basically talking to myself, not to you. I'm not lecturing anybody. This is my confession. I'm not pointing my finger at anybody else. Well, I'm going to wrap this episode up. This is episode 23. I hope that Life finds you with your eyes alert and awake today and your heart open and your hands open to receive the misfits, to go find them, the outcast, the unclean, and help them. Anyway, I wish you the best for the rest of your day, and I will catch you on the next one.